All right, hey everybody, welcome to the Free Will Science and Religion podcast. This is the premier podcast of a series that we intend to actually eventually have daily. So far, there's about nine of us in on the project. I'm here with Trick Slattery and Chandler Klebs. Trick has published a book. Hello. Actually, we, all three of us have published books um, refuting free will, um, and we've been promoting the idea that, that absolutely no one has free will, and for the world to, to understand this would be very, very useful and important. All right, so before, as our premier pod, podcast, what we're going to do is simply just describe our project, you know, what this is about, and then after that, we're going to go into, like, defining our terms. What do we mean by free will? What, what do most people mean? And, and then uh, what do we mean by science? What do we mean by religion? All right, so um, Trick, let's start us off. Just like, so um, can you explain a bit more about, first of all, explain a bit more about your work, the title of your book, and what you've been doing to promote this, this truth that free will is an illusion? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, so I wrote a book called Breaking the Free Will Illusion for the Betterment of Humankind. And uh, in it, I make the case against free will uh, in a logical setting. So I, I break down the logic of, of uh, causality and how um, a causal events, if we were going to postulate uh, an indeter indeterministic universe, uh, would be incompatible with free will. Um, and then I go into the psychology of the matter and, and what it means that we don't have the ability, the free will ability that I define in the book. Um, and why it's so important for humanity to uh, progress to this understanding. Excellent. All right. And so what, what are your, your goals, your visions for this project, for this podcast ser series? Uh, I'm just looking to get the word out, get the, get the information out to the public, um, try to make it simple for people to understand these concepts um, and for uh, people to really grab hold of this subject matter and and make it their own excellent all right Chandler Chandler um you've just published a book on free will you want to give us the title the theme and then just go over you know yes. some details go ahead yeah go. I just published um, my book free will and abortion denial um, and basically I go into defining um, free will based on two dictionary definitions, WordWeb and Merriam-Webster, and I explain why it's impossible for us to make choices free of all of these different things totally outside of our control. But I also try to connect it with the abortion subject, um, and the point point is, you know, there's a cause, there's a reason for every choice, including the choice of abortion or, or, or giving the child up for adoption or raising it. Basically, everything, any, anything that people refer to as a, as a choice, there's going to be a cause external to the person who's supposedly willing or choosing that choice. And that's how I came to understand that free will is an illusion. And my goal generally with this, with this podcast that we're doing here is I think the way that science and religion, I, I find that they both refute this idea that we have choice in the sense that we think we do. Like we actually think that in a certain situation we could either do this or do that or do something else. But in, in, in any time in the past, 
if all the circumstances were the exact same, and including our brain state and memory was the same, we would have done the exact same thing. And I realized that I'm like, wow. And so it, I'm all about, well, what is the causes of why people do what they do? So it's kind of psychology, it's kind of philosophy, it's kind of science. But I think that religion is because that it explains a lot of our behavior. Excellent. Okay, thanks, Chandler. And let me just briefly, um, basically, I've been working on this free will issue uh, for the most part since 97. Back in 97, I, I, um, I wrote this article trying to like prove that all of nature is deterministic. Everything is causal. And then like, you know, for, for some years, I kind of like went to other projects. Then back in 2010 is when I just started with this again, I created a meetup in Manhattan, New York City. We've been going for three years. You know, we have, I think, almost 300 members. And then in 2011, I published my first book. No, actually, before that, I created a television series here in White Plains, where I live, White Plains, New York. And it was called Exploring the Illusion of Free Will. And then from the meetup, I got this guy, um, Nick Vale, involved, who's going to be one of the hosts on the on this podcast. Again, we're going to have like, we have at least nine or ten already slated. We want to have more. And so Nick li lives in Manhattan. And so like, I think at the end of 2011, somewhere or so, we started a live call-in television show on Man Manhattan's network. And then around that time, um, I published my first book, which was like the... Um, first it was a transcript of the first 18 episodes of, of my white plains show it was called exploring the illusion of free will um and then uh, i published a, a revised edition a couple of years later 2013 and then my most recent look is, book it's it's like it's much much shorter than the than the first one but it's more of a scholarly work it's called free will its refutation societal cost and role in climate change denial and the purpose of that was one to kind of like establish a very, you know, academic, scholarly, physical refutation of free will. And the second was to give the, this this issue relevance. You know, for a lot of people, a lot of people get, yeah, all right, we don't have a free will, nothing is up to us. Why does it matter? So basically, in this book, I link it to climate change denial. All right, so that's it. So um, so again, um, we've each been working on on bringing this truth to the world so before we proceed we, we go with with um kind of like what um what we expect to happen from this let's let's again define our terms trick take us through like what most people believe you know they what people say when they when they say we have a free will you know just let, let's go into defining the term free will for the audience the uh, free will that I prefer for the for this debate is uh, is the one that that talks about basically causality and um, and what it means that we couldn't have done otherwise. So so I, I give a definition of the ability to choose otherwise, uh, the ability to 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 choose of own accord otherwise than than what we already have chosen. So so if we were going to go stem back in time to the just before the point where we make a decision, it's the ability to be able to choose something different than what we had previously chosen. Um, and and the, the reason I say the um, of our own accord is I like to I also like to uh, um, represent the side of the in, indeterminate side, which I know you 
against, you, you kind of want to go with the uh, um, showing what, how everything is causal. And, and, and I agree with you that everything probably is causal. But um, I also I really, really like to show people that even if it wasn't causal, um, this kind of free will isn't possible. So I like to add that to my definition that it's not only the ability to do otherwise, but the ability to of one's own accord do otherwise or, or one's own ability do otherwise. So right. that's how. Excellent trick. Now, all right, before we go any further, you know, I want to explain to the audience this book, this podcast is not about like debating whether or not we have free will to us who understand this. The fact that we don't have a free will is as clear as the fact is one, that one plus one equals two. Okay, and it's just like we're going to eventually explore why academics, even academics who've been studying this this um, topic for for sometimes decades, don't get this. But before we go further, in order to to not confuse the audience in a sense, trick explain explain to us why we could not have done otherwise. In other words, when we give definitions of free will, we want to immediately refute them so that we have a clear message to the audience. The reason we couldn't do otherwise, and, and, and in this uh, scenario, I'm going to just assume that everything has a cause. Uh, when, when everything has a cause, um, the decision that you make is based on uh, all these prior causes that lead to that decision. And, and the prior causes stem back and back in time to before you're even born. So, so it's something that's kind of out of our control, but at the same time, it's our thoughts and our um, decisions are part of that causal process that lead to the next decision that we make. Um, but but the fact of the matter is, whatever decision we make, we couldn't have chosen a different path. We couldn't have causally uh, decided to choose chocolate ice cream when we've chosen vanilla because the causes have led us up to um, that state of choosing vanilla ice cream. And to say that it could choose chocolate as well is to create a contradiction in causality. It's basically to say that that a cause can lead to not our chocolate ice or vanilla ice cream and at the same time lead to not vanilla ice cream. So that, that's, a, that's what's called a contradiction in philosophy. And, and that contradic contradiction is problematic. So as soon as we have contradictions, um, we have to kind of say, well, there's a problem there. We can't have that. So what, what's going on there? And, and what's going on there is the fact that one of them isn't really a viable option. Uh, only the first option of the vanilla ice cream was ever viable. Even if we thought about the chocolate, uh, the vanilla was the only thing we could have chosen due to the past causality. All right, excellent. So like now, some, now when you when you explain that, most of us who accept causality will understand that. How do you how do you explain uh, the impossibility of free will? To people who, who say, well, perhaps not everything is caused. That uh, that's different, and and I have a whole section of my book uh, on what's what I call a causality or uncaused events, and uh, like I, like you say, you know, the the idea of, of a uncaused event or a causal event has has a lot of problems to contend with, um, um, but I'm not going to even into those problems right now. I'm just going to assume that such an event can exist. And if we do assume this, as such an event can exist, then we have to understand that that event would be entirely outside of the uh, control of the willer. So, so when, you, when you're talking about willing, you're talking about basically causality because for something to be willed, it need to be, needs to be caused by a willer. And if it's not caused by a willer, 
then it's not willed. It's not a willed event. So an acausal event, an event that doesn't have a cause, um, can't be a willed event. So it, 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 it itself is problematic for free will. Excellent, excellent. All right, now Chandler, you know, you understand there are different ways of describing, defining free will and different refutations of it. Can, can you give a, a different definition of free will and then refute it? Uh, yes, I can. Um, to, to have a freely willed decision, it would have to be something independent of our nature and nurture or our genetics and conditioning, depending on which terms you prefer. Basically, our genetics or nature, you know, is everything that we got from our DNA, our genes, whatever, you know, and we didn't choose our gender, species, all that stuff. But then our nurture or, or conditioning is everything that we have experienced, which becomes our memories, which become causal influences in our decisions at, at the present moment. And so any change in human behavior has to be like if somebody would choose something in one situation, but then in a similar situation 10 years from then, if their choice is different, well, there's got to be a cause. There's got to be an experience that created a memory that caused them to um, change their behavior because perhaps it's because they didn't like the result of what they did in the past and therefore they want to change it because they're trying to avoid a negative consequence and so everything's nature and nurture and so to suggest that there's some kind of third element some kind of third component that's separate from nature and nurture just sounds completely absurd and and there's something else the this whole causality and a causality thing both of them are against this free will idea because the way I, I am a determinist and so I will state that basically everything has a cause because I can't I can't perceive anything uncaused being possible um, but even if there was an uncaused event the point is that all events whether uncaused or caused that happened before I was born, before I was conceived, before my parents had sex, before any of that, things that happened hundreds, thousands, millions, billions, trillions of years ago still affect my decisions today, and they're outside of my control. And we, and because it's not up to me, because my, my choices are not up to me because they're based on reasons or causes that I can't control, well, how can I take credit or blame? Chandler, that was excellent. Okay, again, there are, there are different ways of defining free will. The way I'm going to define it, some people say, well, we have free will as long as no one else is coercing us. If nobody is, like, making us, you know, decide what we do and do what we do, then we have free will. That's really not what this whole traditional debate has been about for a couple of millennia about. Basically... We're, we're essentially saying that um, free will would mean that we as human beings have more control over what we think, say, and do than would a puppet. Okay, imagine a puppet or a mannequin on strings, right? You know, they have absolutely no control. You know, basically they're doing whatever the puppeteer makes them do. 
All right, so what we're saying is like what Trick said is like this principle of causality is actually what makes us do what we do. Chandler described what makes us do what we do in terms of nature and nurture. Okay, there's a third way. There's probably there's several other ways to to explain why we don't have this free will, why we, we don't have any more control than, than would a puppet, and that is that we have these innate drives. Okay, the, the first drive, for example, is what Freud describes as the pleasure principle, and it, it's basically in biology, it's known that all organisms strive to seek pleasure and avoid pain. Okay, now some people might say, well, we don't do that always. Sometimes we put ourselves in pain. When we do that, like let's say we run a marathon or something, yes, we're doing that, but we predict a greater overall, you know, bounce or, or increase in pleasure because of that. So, you know, it's, it's an equation. So, like, what happens is, like, that's not the only drive. A lot, of, you know, try to do something, for example, that you, you feel is not reasonable. We have this reason imperative. That we, we try to like, in other words, like if we have some liquid and we're going to pour it into two glasses, and we we predict or we think one of the glasses is, isn't going to be able to hold the liquid, we're not going to do that. So we're like compelled to do what we think is reasonable. Um, that doesn't always work because sometimes our emotions kind of skew our reasoning. And this actually we'll get into in a lot of episodes of how these academics who've been researching and studying this topic for decades don't understand the simple reason of like causality <laughs> makes free will impossible we, we've got to go into that that is, that is like the holy grail of, of this this issue how people don't get it but yeah. but so like in other words like so pleasure and reason aren't determining our um decisions then our emotions are and naturally our emotions are not in our control you know they're you know they're not in our immediate control sometimes over time we can learn to control our emotions but like moment by moment they just happen and the third, the third drive, major drive, I think, that makes free will impossible is that generally, this is something the Greeks understood, we generally have a goodness or a moral imperative. At the time we do anything, we, you know, in hindsight, we might look back at, at, at it and think, well, oh, this was definitely wrong. But at the time we do anything, we're, we're basically thinking we're doing the right thing. Now, this isn't as, as, as ironclad as, as the pleasure imperative and the reason imperative, but, you know, it kind of explains that we, we, we seek to do what we think is the, the right thing at any moment. So, again, these are like three different ways of describing why we don't have a free will. All right, let's now go over, like, why, why is this important? Why should people care, you know, whether we have a free will or not? Trick, um, start us off with this. Because it ties into these notions of blameworthiness um, that uh, people uh, people tend to um, project blameworthiness onto other people or, or, or um, blameworthiness onto themselves. And, and these things inherently cause more problems than are helpful. Um, so when I'm thinking about somebody in another country that's doing something that I would think is is unethical, um, most people would would look at that person and they wouldn't think about how that person really came to be, uh, how how they were indoctrinated in whatever they were indoctrinated in, how um, how all these causal events of their environment and and their genetics led to the state that they currently have. That leads to the, them doing these things that that another person would find unacceptable. Uh, but as soon as we recognize that they couldn't have done otherwise, that that if we were in their shoes, 
we would have done the exact same thing. Uh, the notion of them being truly blameworthy in the sense of uh, um, they should be punished or anything like that, we kind of have to reject those notions. Uh, we have to we have to have more of a um, compassion for what's what's actually happening, the the causal variables that are causing these situations to occur, and uh, and once that happens, we we become more uh, in tune with such, and we can we can kind of look past the fact the the idea that these people are blameworthy, and we can look to towards the idea that they're um, there are these mechanisms that had to happen, and and we can uh, we can look to see what we can do to fix those problems, um, rather than uh, look to say, you know, yell or get angry or 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 things like that. Um, we 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 just take more of a rational approach to the subject matter. Excellent. Okay, Chandler, what what do you think are, you know, why why are we doing this show? Why is it important that the world get this fundamental nature of human will right? Yes. Well, I believe I can explain this because first I want to point out that I agree with what Trick Slattery just said because um we can more effectively solve problems once we get rid of the anger, the hatred, the blame and all that because when you're discussing any issue it can be any issue, whether that's climate change, um, animal cruelty, uh, foreign relations, immigration, abortion, whatever the issue might be, any political, social, religious issue. You don't have to hate those people. You don't have to get all angry and blame them. You just like, wait, we disagree on this. But you don't shut down the conversation because that's what some people do is they're like, well, we disagree and we're always going to disagree, so let's not talk, which I think is a terrible way to solve problems. So instead, it's like, okay, we disagree. Well, why do we disagree? There's got to be a cause for why you are on this side of this issue and think we should do this and why I am on this side of this issue and think we should do this. And so it all comes down to if we understand the reasons Eventually, two people who are discussing an issue, one will be won over by the other, but it's not something that you take credit or blame for either. It's like if you're wrong, you're wrong, but it's not your fault that you were wrong. And if you're right, it's you can't take credit for being right um, and having better information and being born smarter. You know, you can't take credit. So nobody – so everybody wins. It's a win-win situation. Both people win when they come to a conclusion that benefits society. Exactly. Okay. So again, like basically to the extent we believe in free will, when we have differences with others as we, you know, do on so many kinds of topics, we'll tend to blame others for what they think. And when we, when we do things wrong, when other people do things wrong, we'll blame them or blame ourselves. So basically like what, what all three of us are saying is that like to the extent we understand free will is an illusion, we're going to negotiate and navigate these, different, the, these differences with more intelligence, with more purpose. We're not going to be distracted by this blame. We're going to focus on the problem and it's going to be a lot more civil. But all right, an another, another reason why I think this topic is really important has to do with just fundamental truth. In other words, like our entire humanity practically 
is, is completely deluded about the fundamental nature of human behavior. I mean, yeah. for us to believe that, that things are up to us when absolutely nothing is, that's major. That, 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 affects, how, that's, that affects our whole, whole world view. It's not just how we see others and ourselves. It's how we see reality. So right. again, this, this is a very, very important um, topic relative, relative to scientific truth. And we're, we're going to, again, we're going to be getting into other, for example, this affects the criminal justice system. This affects education. This affects, you know, both our personal relations and our societal relations. This affects the world in ways that, that our, our, our world has not yet begun to understand. Um, all right, we've got about five minutes left. So before we, we end, um, let's just briefly just go over some of the topics we're going to be covering in these upcoming um, podcasts, and then um, then this this will be it for this first episode. Um, so Trick, what what would you like to talk about, like you know, in in in, um, in the future, like what kinds of themes are we going to be exploring? Oh, I think there's going to be a number of different themes, and there's there's going to be the free will debate itself, which will just co cover you know the semantics and and the uh, uh, why we don't have this free will ability, and the, then there'll, there'll be the the implications of that free will, uh, of not having the free will, which will cover the criminal system, like you said. It'll cover probably economics, politics. Um, there's there's a whole slew of uh, of ideas that get based on um, the notion that people have free will, and and uh, as soon as we abandon that notion, we kind of have to um, drive to different ideas about all these different topics, uh, philosophical topics, uh, ethics. Uh, um, I'm writing my next book on on ethics, uh, secular ethics without free will. So so I'm going to go there as well. But there's all these different topics that are basically have have a base structure that needs to this understanding that we don't have uh, this free will that people think we do. Awesome. Okay, Chandler, what what kind of themes do you want to be exploring over these next upcoming episodes? Well, um, I believe that we need to talk about the basic fact that people don't choose their religious belief. They believe what sounds reasonable to them because there's the whole reason imperative and, and there's the emotions that cloud it and the pleasure principle and stuff you mentioned earlier. And so I came to a realization one day that changed my life um, ever since was I was looking at the anti-discrimination laws, you know, how, you know, to not be unfair and discriminating in employment about, you know, race, um, religion, color, national origin, age, all of these things. And I started realizing, wait a minute, these are all the same because there was a time in my past when I thought that there was one item that was different, that religion was different, like that religion was a choice. Whereas I knew that your skin color or gender wasn't a choice. But what changed my life is when I realized, wait a minute, people don't freely choose their religion and that that's just as much forced and compelled as their skin color, species and gender. And that just changed everything. And I realized, wait, I have I can't hate people for believing some religion that I don't like or don't believe myself. So it removes the hatred, at, which is far too common among, you know, so-called militant atheists and that sort of thing. Chandler, that's such an excellent point. I mean, our religions, our major religions across the world, 
need to be reformed. You know, basically, like, this belief in free will forms the foundation of the, the major religions, and it also, like, there's a lot of people who are afraid that after we die, we're, we're going to go to this place that they call hell, that we're going to suffer eternally. That's a, that's a horrible belief to, for a person to, to, to fear, and, and, and churches and synagogues and mosques and all, you know, inculcate in, in, in us this fear. And so to the extent we understand that we don't have free will, something like that would be so unfair as to be inconceivable. All right, we're running out of time. Basically, this is the uh, Free Will Science and Religion podcast. Again, our, our goal, we're just ramping up. We're going to be we're going to be premiering officially in early April. Right now, we're just going through some, you know, pre-premiere on podcasts to just like, you know, get a feel of, of what this is like and all. But once once we um, begin, and actually even with these episodes, these episodes are going on YouTube. They're going to be accessible through Internet Archive. And eventually, all of our episodes are also going to be available through iTunes as, as podcasts. So um, we're going to also have a web presence so where you can, like, you know, write, write whatever questions you, you might want us to address. You know, we'll have a, a forum for that where you can communicate with us. And ultimately, what we want to do, this may take us a while, but ultimately, we want to... Um, we want to have this be a live call-in podcast at you know maybe one or a few times a week also. So again, this is this is getting started. It's very exciting. Uh, we're looking forward to um, to just you know being with you pretty much every day and to exploring. There's so much to explore about this topic. All right, guys, we've got about 30 seconds. Let's um, trick. What, what what do you want to like say to the audience um, uh, at the end of this? Uh, just think about the topic and try to. Uh... Try to assess if you really, really have the free will that you think you have. Excellent. Chandler? We hope that you understand how important the no free will topic truly is to the world. And if you don't, we don't blame you because you don't have a free will. All right. This is George Trick Chandler. We'll be back uh, again next time with um, free will, science, and religion. Thanks for listening.